poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. Today's Tuesday, which means it's a tactical day, and I want to welcome the co-host of Tactical Tuesday, John. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Got a, got one of your concepts today for Tactical Tuesday. See, yeah, see how yours, this one goes. You know, I, I think... I think the people loved, you know, your concept of putting me on the spot. And, and shockingly, they like, you know, any aspect of like gambling or, <laughs> or betting. Uh, I know that's like shocking to 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 realize, but we do. <laughs> um, what uh, what are we doing today? Yeah, so today, DGAF played on a live stream. He's a friend of mine, somebody that I've battled. Uh, against many, many hours uh, I've hung out with uh, away from the felt and yeah, just a really cool dude. And so, yeah, I just wanted to have an episode kind of dedicated to him getting in the the live stream streets. I think this is the first time that that he's played and maybe the first time that he's, um, yeah, just kind of shown his face and <laughs> just been uh, comfortable with letting everybody know that that's him um, because forever, you know, he was kind of anonymous uh, on, on his podcast. He didn't really want people to know, I, I guess, like what he looked like or his name or anything like that. But yeah, he's a great dude and it's really awesome for me to yeah, get a chance to see him battling in action. It takes me back to my time at, at Commerce playing with him. And yeah, so just wanted to dedicate a show to him. Yeah, I think um, I think the fans are also probably really happy that he's finally playing on stream. I think this is his first time on stream, but it's his like you know he's like probably the most uh, probably the commentator who like commentates the most episodes of Hustle Casino Live, and like everyone in the chat and Twitter and stuff seems to love him and uh, seems to yeah. think like he's like by far the best commentator on HCL. So yeah, I'm he, sure everyone he's just, happy to see him actually play. Yeah, he's he's cool cool as a cucumber, and he's got uh, you know the dry witty sense of yeah, humor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which yeah i think uh i'm a big fan of the the dry sense of humor and yeah he's just a good dude and it i'm really happy to actually just see you know his podcast blow up and him back in the uh high stakes arena just doing work that that's exciting to me and yeah so what let's uh actually What's up? You want to get into these hands? We can get into the hands. I think the hands are not as important as, you know, just kind of talking about DJF and sharing some stories. Um, what kind of player is this guy? If you had to just be like, like he's not tight or you wouldn't be friends with him. <laughs> no, he's, he's not tight. That's, I don't think anybody would um, describe DGAF as a, a tight player. I think that, you know, on Philosophical Friday, we've talked a lot about 
just kind of trusting your intuition, trusting your guts, um, being confident in decision-making. I, I think that these are all traits that DGF has in, in a big way. He trusts himself. He's never afraid to pull the trigger um, with uh, like running a big bluff or putting chips into the pot. I, I think in his heart, he's a gambler. Like he wants to play big pots. Um, he wants to get involved. He wants a VPIP. He, he just likes um, being in the mix. So yeah, he, he's going to play a lot of hands. He's going to be quite aggressive. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I think at the beginning of the stream, Tuckman was saying that he had told him beforehand that like, he, yeah, he's just going to like three bet in the dark for <laughs> the first uh, hour or so um, until he gets stuck like 2K or whatever. So there was, you know, an hour in the stream where, you know, a man of his word, three betting like the nine four off and just kind of uh, giving the people what they want. So like he's definitely a gladiator that just is going to be uh, in there battling. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I always like, I always wonder about that kind of stuff when I see it on streams, especially like pretty good players like, like, like DJF who, you know, are three betting like the nine four suited or I think he had like six deuce of hearts like three bet in here. I'm like, Man, like how much like like this is like something that I just wouldn't even be able to think about if I was playing high stakes for like, you know, doing some form of advertising or some form of like like extracurricular entertainment. Basically, that's like beyond me thinking my hardest about like how to win each poker hand. I just like I just like wouldn't even be able to like have the mental capacity to be like, oh, I should do this because it's good for the fans. Or something. Yeah. Maybe that's what happens when you're playing like you know maybe this is like tiny stakes for him and it's just it's well easy. for. I think for better or worse, his risk tolerance is exceptionally high, much higher than normal human beings. And I, I think that that has both served him well in his career and also been a detriment at various points in his career as well, because uh, lack of risk aversion in poker can be a superpower, but it can also be your downfall. Um, in the case of you know many, many poker players who have been exceptional talents and won tons of money, but for one reason or another, just uh, invited way too much risk into their poker career and found themselves broke. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, I have so many stories about DGAF. You know, one of, one of them was, I think I've told it on the pod before, but I, when I was staying at the Crown Plaza at the Commerce, I um, would typically go to bed at whatever 11 o'clock at night but they have a convenience store in there so i would like come down like take a sleep aid at like 9 30 and then for whatever reason i would want a snack at like 10 30 <laughs> so like i <laughs> trek across the, the commerce to go to that little store to get myself a snack and you know kind of walk through the high stakes room saying hi to my friends and, and like just seeing what's going on um and he, he was playing garrett heads up one night and there's what year is this how, how far this back is, is probably like 2014 ish, okay. something like that. Like, yeah. so him and Garrett were playing like heads up 2040. Um, and, and I kind of stopped by the table, said, what's up. And Garrett won a massive pot. I don't remember the board. I don't remember the action. I just know that it was a massive pot and he tabled like King seven off. Um, and, and I just remember, uh, DGAF kind of looking at his hand and, and like smirking and being like, yeah, that's a $1,200 hand pre-flop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then, then I left and I assumed that they just battled heads up for, until the wee hours of the morning. But um, yeah, like, just nice. The, this guy called a four bet with King seven off. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't leave this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
and, and the truth is like both him and Garrett were just insane um, back then. So like, obviously they're both just putting tons of money in the pot, but, but like I said, you know, he, he's for better or worse, doesn't really have much fear. Um, and you know, th- there was like a good 10, 20 game running and he's battling Garrett heads up like <laughs> on the side at 2040. If that kind of gives you any insight into like, yeah, just how he rolls. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> that, that's, <clears throat> that's all I would need to hear about someone to, to be able to, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I can kind of tell what type of person you are. Yeah. That, that's a, ty- that's the type of uh, player he is. And yeah. also quite, quite, quite athletic as well. Um, don't let, let him fool you. He, he's not bad basketball player. That's another thing like <laughs> at, at commerce in, at in, hoop in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we would meet up, um, sometimes like on a Sunday, I, I think it was a Sunday since, you know, poker is kind of dead on Sundays in general, live poker. Um, just meet up and play like four on four at that hoop back there. And I, I'm pretty sure Billy, uh, he, <laughs> I, I don't know if he, he, <laughs> he says his name, um, publicly, but, yeah, he was the stud. He was the MVP. Uh, of a lot of money back there. In the, in the back. We didn't even gamble. Like we, we didn't what? even like. No, nah, there, there was like no gambling component to it. He just like took yeah. everybody to the rack and, um, yeah, it, it was a really good time and very fond memories that I have. So, very happy to see him. Yeah, in action and wishing him, you know, really nothing but the best. So, we we can dive into a couple of these hands. They're going to be just easy breezy hands. Um, nothing uh, outrageous that we're going to break down in today's show. So just dive into numero uno. Oh. And there's like a high possibility that I'm going to get an ad here when I start the stream for the YouTube listener uh, or watcher. The YouTube YouTube watcher can see that um, the action's kind of paused on DJF's head. Maybe once Wolves takes off, you can afford YouTube premium. I mean, it, you know, I'm hoping <laughs> that's like Q4 2023. <laughs> yeah. Long-term goals. Like. <laughs> um, All right. So DGAF opens the 9-7 of clubs. I don't know how many people are at this table, but. Many. Yeah, a lot. Lots. Way too many people are, are at the table. I think it's nine-handed or so. Uh yeah, he opens a 120 with 9-7 clubs in the hijack. Vegas Vin, three bets him to 300 in the cutoff. Um, and a gentleman by the name of Darren cold calls out of the big blind to 80 with the 8-9 of hearts. And gentleman by the name of Ernie goes ahead and calls 260 with the king Ooh. 10 of different suits. And then action gets back to the... Man, as soon as he's like... As soon as... You can just tell from the way his like body is positioned and like his just well, the way he's looking at the table, like oh man, it's coming. Like <laughs> yeah, this this guy's not folding, <laughs> folding right now. Yeah, and most likely not calling either. Like more more chips are about to go in the pot. I get so deflated when I'm like the Vegas bin in this spot, and like I'm just like <sighs> light three bet. <laughs> it's not gonna go through. This guy's yeah. this guy's just... just thinking about what size to four bet too. <laughs> Yeah, you could just watch Darren and Ernie put the chips in the pot and, and like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. they don't really have a hand that wants to put in like lots of money and this is not good for me um, yeah. if, if DGAF's yeah. paying attention. Like, you just your heart starts sinking as like more and more people flat behind you and like yeah. DGAF starts drooling like more and more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a thousand dollars. Oh, now there's 500. The now there's 750. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the price too for bet um it's getting better and better and yeah so oh i love this yeah so he sticks in the four bet to 1500 vegas van is silently cursing ernie and darren um and i think it looks like uh DGAF's about 7,500 deep or so, and Vin has him covered, and the other players have basically already mentally folded, so their stack size isn't super relevant here. Um, I mean, I think this is like a good lesson, not for DGAF, but honestly for like everyone else and maybe mostly for Vegas Vin. About like when you three bet early position opens, um, like I experienced this a lot, like when I, you know, under the gun opens and then I threw bet like small blind or big blind and like, they kind of can just do like whatever they want to you in that spot. Like they're like, oh yeah, I opened early position. I have like a really, really tight range. If I four bet here, like I, I can just like four bet here sort of mercilessly and like just run over you and like everyone else that, you know, threw bets my early position open. So I think like if you, if you are playing against like someone that's like EGAF's level of aggression and like risk tolerance like i just i would be like very very uh well i guess like the, the way i would adjust is just by like calling wider or like like five yeah, more so, or something like that versus df but yeah, you just kind of have to be ready to do that kind of stuff versus someone who's like capable and willing to you know four bet the nine seven suited just because you know they're uncapped from early position right and i mean his name is you know his nickname is dgaf <laughs> right like it, it's yeah. <laughs> he, oh yeah sorry was is that a tell like <laughs> yeah I, I think that's an indicator right um <laughs> and it's just about like reopening the action right with a hand like the ace tray of spades like you right. re, we reopen the action um two people called in between with like eight nine suited and king ten off so like it's not as if you're generating much folds from the players behind and with the action reopen, it just gives, you know, DGAF the opportunity to put in this four bet and you're just kind of very sad about your decision to, to open the action again. Yeah. So you just flat the ace three suited there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I especially want to, my, my biggest priority there in live poker is table configuration and the, frequencies of villains behind me three betting like yeah. if if villains are not three betting a ton behind me then yeah i'm just going to be flatting in that spot quite often if villains are three betting then i probably just fold the ace tray honestly uh or yeah, depending on the type of players that are three betting behind and like some post-flop playability questions and depth maybe uh, we can call with the intention to just call uh, a squeeze. If somebody does squeeze behind, I think that's reasonable as well. But you kind of need a plan for somebody squeezing and need to assess the risk and chance that somebody does uh, squeeze behind you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like everything you said. I think like, yeah, I think if it was like four regs behind me, I would just muck the ace three suited. But if it was, you know, if I thought that the players behind me were like very loose and and like not great poker players then i would just i would definitely flat the ace three suited and like hope to go multi-way i think it's like a i think those like uh suited aces especially especially if you can like make a straight draw you know like suited wheel aces are are um particularly good hands to to take multi-way just because you make really really strong hands when you do make hands yeah i mean you're playing nine-handed live poker right like yeah. you get 35 hands an hour you, you need to 
you need to get in there if you're one of the stronger players as much as you can without kind of spewing the chips away. Because, yeah. like, just... 35 hands an hour playing life focus? No way. 30? 30, 35? Something like that? Maybe I, <laughs> maybe I just tank too long in every hand. 30 hands an hour. You, you play four tables online, you get 250 an hour. Um, 30 is like... It's like eight times slower than online. I mean, but it was like 20 something. I would have guessed like 20 something. So I poker. Eh, maybe I, that's I, a lot. I think 20 something is like two minutes a hand. That's kind of long, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty long. Uh, so, um, you know, DGAF's four bet does go through. So just like nice, a, nice. a pre flop hand here in the first, uh, first one on Tactical Tuesday. And then I think this hand is very telling about like the type of player, you know, like you just need to see this and you're like, oh, okay. Like, is one of these guys like I got? Yeah, like you. Basically, the chips are potentially going in the middle, whenever you know. Yeah. Um. So, like you know, another thing that like you you could do against a player like DGAF is like you could flat if you're, um, you know, Ernie or the guy before with the eight nine of hearts, um, with the action still open. If you think that DGAF's just going to. <clears throat> Over aggress, mm. you could just flat the three bet cold with like aces or kings as a trap. Um, I think that's a pretty cool little play. Yeah, I mean, if he's gonna over aggress, you know, why even wait for aces and kings? Just do it with the king of hearts, ten of spades. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Ernie did. But Ernie <laughs> forgot to put the rest of the money in after uh, he he over aggressed. That's the problem. I'm sure he was thinking about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So after the break, we'll look at another hand that DGAF played on the Hustler live stream. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man, Coach Brad Wilson, has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. Rated R. All right. Welcome back to this special DGAF-themed Tactical Tuesday. Uh, John, I'm going to hit the play button, and you can start breaking down the action on this, uh, this second hand. For the podcast listener, I'm just going to fill the silent void here. until It's like 10, 20, 40. <laughs> Yeah, opens. Ace nine of clubs, $120. Vegas Vin. Oh man, this guy is just getting in there. Three betting the nine five of diamonds. Vegas Vin don't give no Fs. Yeah, he doesn't care about him. Do you have this guy four bet? Like whatever, just gonna keep pounding away. He's like really DGAF. Yeah, <laughs> the, the real DGAF. The real DGAF, yeah. All um, right. Oh, the same story as last time. Vegas Vin, three bets, DGAF, everybody calls. Yeah, we get a pot that's... Oh, why doesn't he do it here? This is like... I, I think his hand is too good. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, this hand dominates the 9-7 of... Yeah, like if it was offsuit, I would... I, would... <laughs> I don't know. I, I would take... I think I think you should just take all the squeeze spots against the guys. Against, like, what 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 I've seen. Yeah, what, I guess he doesn't know. Down. He doesn't exactly know what Ernie and, you know, other guys are, like, fighting behind he probably could draw thing. some conclusions yeah, yeah. when they flat and then fold very quickly to like the four right, bet, right. you know. Yeah. But, a little surprised but, that he didn't four bet here. Yeah, he's mixing it up, like I said. Um, 
yeah, four, I, I think four betting is probably superior, but he decides to flat with the ace on of clubs. Uh, they're 1,600 in the pot, and it looks like um, DGAF has like 5,300 behind. Everybody else has him covered or four ways. Ernie's got the jack 10 off. Uh, DGAF has the ace nine of clubs. Vegas Finn has the nine five of diamonds, and Ted's got the six seven with a heart and a club. And so we take a flop four ways. The flop is six eight jack, which yeah, kind of gives everybody except for DGAF something. I, I mean, I uh, guess DGAF's got, got, got the back door. Yeah, yeah, back door nut flush draw rolling. Um, Vegas Finn's got a gutter. He was a pre flop three better. Ted's got bottom pair and Ernie's got top pair in the flop. Uh, DJF checks Ernie checks his jack. Ernie checks his jack 10 DJF checks Vegas Finn checks and Ted checks behind and the turn pairs the eight. Um, and Ernie grabs some chips and how much does he bet? 300 into 1600. So about a fifth pot size bet here from Ernie. Any thoughts, Sean? Um, this is just way too thin to be betting four ways, even though, I, I mean, I think this is a hand that like live players just bet all day in this spot. It's like, oh, turn, you know, flop checked around. I got top pair. I just got better on the turn. But this is yeah. just, uh, this is just way, way, way too thin. Um, and the reason it's too thin is like, well, you're about to see kind of what happens here. And I don't know exactly why DGAF decides to just go ahead and raise, but my assumption is that due to Ernie's sizing here, you know, betting 20%, that he just recognized unlikely to have an eight, and it's unlikely that Ernie can continue to. Uh, multiple streets of aggression without an eight. So just went ahead and raised here on the turn. Um, and he actually raises kind of small too, which is that part of it's a little bit surprising here, o only going to 800. But maybe it's also uh, has a lot of utility in that it's minimizing risk while the other opponents could have an eight themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a really good point. I think like that would be my biggest fear in uh, putting this raise in. I just think like Vegas Vin and Ted could easily have eight x in their range. I mean, we see Ted checking back six x on the flop. I think he'd probably just do the same with eight x. Yeah. When you go four ways, um, obviously there's nothing stopping Vegas Vin from having an eight either. So that would be the only thing that I'm worried about. But I I do think this size um, sort of. It sort of protects you from like losing too much once one of the guys behind you does have an eight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the size here is quite clever. I probably, if I did raise, probably would have gone bigger in real time, but I think that's likely a mistake. Uh, yeah, I, I would have like, gone bigger too. I, I, but yeah, after seeing the size, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. It, make, <laughs> it, it makes I a like lot it. of sense. Like it it, it yeah. serves a lot of different purposes. Um, he raises to 800, and Ernie has 500 to call. And Ernie kind of goes in the tank and just kind of folds. So actually Ooh. just the small raise on the turn uh, goes through, which again, like when we're talking about like efficiency in bluffing and raising and sizes where 
you use, you know, the kind of the smallest size that generates max fold equity. I think the sizing is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's especially, I don't know how to think about like, how, how does the size, uh, what do you think about the size when Ernie can just have like infinite draws? I don't think Ernie's folding a draw to any right. size. So regardless of price. So like, you're just trying to get to the river with like a perceived strong range, hope the river breaks out and like, I mean, you're probably just betting, you know, I, I think also like that small raise keeps Ernie's range somewhat wide. So he can call the turn with like a Jack mm-hmm. as well. The river. And then fold the river to like a bomb. And my assumption is if Ernie would have called the turn that DGAF is likely just jamming the river. Yeah. Uh, Cause there would have been like 3,200 in the pot and he would have had 5k or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just max pressure on Jack X knowing that like Ernie's probably capped, probably doesn't have an eight if uh, for a variety of reasons, number one, the sizing that he chose to to use. And then number two, I, I think that Ernie will bet three bet eight X on the turn at some frequency. So by virtue of just calling, we can kind of eliminate some eight X from Ernie's range there as well. Uh, um, only- I just want to talk about the spot, just like in general, like in a yeah. vacuum, like this multi-way, uh, situation. So I've been doing something kind of wacky in these spots these last few days or this like last week or so. So like, let's say, you know, single race pot under the gun opens button flats, small blind flats. I'm in the big blind. I complete mm-hmm. flop checks through when the small blind leads the turn. I just auto raise turn from the big blind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, you kind of like see it here, like, uh, or like, for two guys behind DGAF, like, unless they have an eight, they're, they're just like always folding. And if the small blind doesn't have an eight, like, it just puts them, you know, like this guy's just folding like jack 10 on the, on the turn to like, you know, getting like five to one because it's, it just looks so strong when, when you raise the spot. So, well, yeah, I was just like, what do you, what do you think about that? Just, well, it, like, it works crazy well. It works well when the small blind bets inappropriately on the turn. Yes. You know, that that's where it really is going to shine. And I think that most poker players in general uh will inappropriately bet when out of position with top yeah. pair hands exactly like this one, just again and again and again and again. And so like it's likely going to be just it's likely gonna work quite well. And I think if we really just think about kind of the flow of the action, that like the players behind likely don't have an eight. I mean, it's hard to make trips in in poker. (laughs) It just doesn't happen super frequently. Um, And once the flop checks through, like the perception from the small blind is like, oh, so the preflop three better and the guy that flatted the three bet are likely capped. So now really all I have to worry about is the big blind and they can just kind of bet indiscriminately um, into four four players, even though, you know, you need a lot of, need to generate a lot of fold equity. I, I think that the players on the flop both um they also take too many aggressive actions somewhat inappropriately and they don't check back enough strong hands yeah. on the flop which is like just kind of like a a green light for the small blind to just kind of stab you know it's something that like i think about when i when i think of bomb pots that are like nine way action that like most players actions are fairly truthful and straightforward in bomb pots so like when they check, they're just likely going to be check folding. And so, you know, you can have nothing in a bomb pot and the first seven people check to you. Well, 
you could probably just bet. And like, even though it seems ridiculous, like they're probably ever, you only have to worry about that one player behind you. Right. Really? Um, so yeah, I, I think that the strategy works very well given the tendencies of poker players at large in multi-way pots. I think that multi-way pots are, are sort of the, uh, one of the final frontiers, of, wild west, <laughs> right. It, uh, of poker theory, right? Like there's not a lot of information on how to play multi-way pots. It's really difficult. There's no multi-way solvers. Uh, I don't think, or at least not like a four or five way solver. Um, so like getting information on multi-way pots is quite difficult. And, and I just think that like, humans tend to take too many aggressive actions within appropriate hands, not realizing that like, yeah, we're trying to push an equity advantage against like four players here. And that's difficult. And you actually need like quite a strong hand to do that. Yeah. The, the one thing that I'll add to like this multi-way pot discussion um, is that I think even if the preflop raisers are not taking inappropriate aggressive actions, I think you can put them in this like horrendous spots where um, like this, this idea came to me because like I check back aces like on Jack eight, six, let's say like on this exact board, I check back aces on Jack eight, six as a pre-flop raiser, yeah, you know, yeah. against four players. <laughs> and then the small blind leads and the big blind raises. And I'm like, wow, I just went from like being so confident that I have the best hand and I'm kind of just pot controlling to like hating everything about this spot. And yeah, yeah so I was just like, oh, I should just, <laughs> like a lot. Hey, if I feel this terrible with this hand, everybody's yeah. going to feel terrible with every hand. Right, 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 right. This is it's just, it's so hard to like, like, what do I do? Do I just flat the raise with aces? And like, <laughs> do I like put in a, another raise? Like what? Yeah. It's tough. Like, I, I mean, multi-way pots are very, very, very difficult. Um, and I think that's, again, that's a pretty clever way to apply lots of pressure uh, against the field who's generally betting. I mean, even aces is like a strong hand, right? Like, um, to be able to like have some defense, you need like a full house here. Yeah, gotta like check back some like two pairs. Like. Right. It's, it's tough. So, well, I think that's going to do it for this, uh, DGAF nice. themed tactical Tuesday going to, uh, spend some time in the sun throughout the, the rest of this week. And um, we'll be back at it in the near future. So y'all have a good week. See you and, next week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> see, you, see you next week as well. Peace out, guys. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.